Church, I'm going to be a little bit honest today. I felt a bit underprepared for this sermon. I was thinking to myself, I said, what can I talk about when it comes to Thanksgiving? You're like, oh, that's to talk about. What are you talking about? This, this, is, a, this is a layup, Stefan. What's the problem? Right? This is a sermon about giving thanks unto God. But one of the things that became apparent to me as I was thinking through this sermon, trying to uh, create a draft, a rather imperfect one if I was honest, but <laughs> a draft nonetheless, I kept thinking to myself, I said, well, what is it? What does Thanksgiving gratitude under God mean? Sometimes we look at this and we think, oh, that's obvious, right? It's part of our faith walk. Spirit of gratitude. But as the Lord was dealing with me on this sermon, some things became less obvious to me. What does it mean, and I'm going to borrow directly from Pastor Troy, what does it mean to practice gratefulness? What does it mean to express gratitude to God? I want that to sink into your spirit, okay? I want you to think about that. What does it mean to practice gratefulness? What does it mean to say thanks? God. And then I kind of got to thinking about something. I said, okay, I think this is where the Lord is leading me. Maybe it is time for the church to reflect on how we develop a spirit of gratefulness. Now, there is a tradition in, in my church, the way that I grew up. You say it, say it to your neighbor. The spirit of gratefulness. Got to repeat that now. You all are oh. the spirit of gratefulness. The spirit of gratefulness. How do we develop this? How do we practice this over the course of our lives? I would ask that you would stand in reverence to the scriptures. We are coming from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and you can follow along with me. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, 
have pity on us. When he saw him, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, uh, well, what? All the 10 of the folk cleaned? Weren't they cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, to the foreigner, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I'm going to repeat verse 17. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So a few weeks ago, I talked a bit about tough-minded faith. And this sermon really, in, in a way, is along that line. I want to talk a little bit to you today about the other side of faith. Thanksgiving. And I want to kind of begin really with the end, the, the crescendo of the sermon, rather than working up to it and just give the message outright. It's simple this morning, church. As we enter this season of celebration, family get togethers in Advent, I encourage you to develop a spirit thankfulness and gratefulness. What am I asking? Of course, you woke up this morning and gave God praise for the very health and breath in your lungs. You've held your hands high in joyous recollection over those innumerable times when God carried you and God had you at the very moment when you felt like you were holding on for dear life. I would bet that many of you have done as I have over the course of your life. Pause for brief moments from your business and marvel at God's mighty creation and works in awesome wonder. But what I would ask you today to consider is how you might develop a thankful spirit. If what I am asking isn't registering just yet, let's put matters this way. In these very relatable verses about thankfulness is more than merely saying, thank you. See, what I think is on the other side of this foreigner's thank you is a gratefulness of heart, a spiritual disposition, if you will, a be attitude. Now, I know what you're thinking about. Oh, well, he said something in the mouth. No, no, not just that, okay? It can be that, 
there is a spirit of meekness in the heart of this Samaritan. But I'm not talking about that beatitude. What I mean is something just a bit extra, folk. What I'm talking about is a being attitude, a being attitude, a sense of self which is predisposed to thanksgiving, an attitude of gratefulness which is in your very nature, shaping and shifting your outlook to the degree that gratefulness and thanksgiving become sanctuaries of peace amid life storms. A being attitude. A gratefulness so strong and so entirely you that when you have reached those golden years of life and the infirmity which life's stresses brought on sets in you still feel renewed and revived, remembering the tender mercies of God. A being attitude of thanksgiving. But I think I'm kind of going a little bit too fast. I want to kind of back up a little bit and talk about why I think of things Thanksgiving this way. Why I am up here before you this Sunday preaching this sermon. As some of you know, the theme for the sermon series this month is thankfulness. And I wasn't really prepared for how these scriptures would have me pause. Because if I were a little bit honest, I've read these scriptures maybe a thousand times, but there was something that never really occurred to me that's occurring to me that occurred to me this week. And it's this pretty straightforward. Jesus was a little bit annoyed. <laughs> he was annoyed. Come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> you see it, right? He's like, I don't understand what's going on here. All of these lepers came to me. They got healed. The only one that came back was this foreigner. What gives? Right? right? I don't get it. So we need to kind of recap just to sort of think about ooh, what's going on here. So Jesus was pursuing his preaching ministry, and while somewhere between Judah and Galilee, most likely in Samaria, he's approached by 10 lepers, nine of whom are Jewish, presumably, and one is a Samaritan. The Samaritan is an outcast, twice removed. By dint of rabbinical law, his leprous state deems him unclean, and and what makes him also removed from Jesus is that he is an ethnic outcast. Biblical commentators explain that the Samaritans were reviled in part because they are of mixed racial origins of Jewish and other ethnic descent. 
And what made them especially repulsive to the Jews was that their beliefs were heterodox. I'll get to that in just a minute. But as we know from the story, Jesus heals the Samaritan along with the other nine. And it is the Samaritan who returns to express his thanks to God for what he had done. Let's not get this twisted. We're not reading here a heavy theological account of God's requirements from us from either the apostles Paul or Peter. These scriptures do not resound with the kind of instruction one finds in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, which asks that, quote, we give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. No, that's not what we're doing here. These are not the nearly poetic lines of 1 Peter 1 and 8, which take us up saying that though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe him and are filled with an inexpressible joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Can we say, church, that Jesus is our great reward and that we can be thankful for that? Amen, church? We don't have any of that kind of commentary here. What we really have, if we think about things enough, is a very human story. We're reading a historical account of the Lord's itinerary ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And what we find is that Jesus is irritated. Irritated. But, but what we have to ask ourselves is why is he irritated? And here is the jewel. Here, I'm going to go back again. I know I'm stirring the pot. Stefan seems like he can't seem to get over these scriptures. He keeps repeating them over and over again, but I want you to get something. Here are 10 people of the Lord healed from leprosy. All 10 of these people went to show themselves to the priest and were immediately cleansed of a horrible skin disease. Nine of the people got their blessing and scurried off. One came back, the Samaritan, and praised God for what he had done. And here are where the scriptures hit us. Jesus says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Many sermons, including ones which my dad has preached, emphasized and rightly that it was a foreigner who came back and praised God. A person who the Jewish people would have looked down on as racially impure. A person who would not have fully followed Jesus's follows, I'm sorry, Jewish, Jewish traditions or embraced the spiritual instruction of the Old Testament prophets. A person who ostensibly was not the direct genetic heir to the promises of God for his chosen people. This foreigner 
came back at the very shame of the chosen people who decided to just go about their merry business without seemingly a second thought as to what God has done. But today I would ask that we focus on those nine folks and before you turn your nose at them, you might want to consider how you're like them. That you really more like them, I'm really more like them than we would care to admit. Something dawned on me while I was meditating on these scriptures. We don't actually know if someone from that group thanked Jesus privately after being healed. Jesus' father, that his people never returned to thank him. But the text is silent on what they might have done afterward. I don't think it's too far-fetched to presume that some went back to the lab, all that means is the house, and jumped for joy, realizing that they had been made whole. But what condemns their behavior is that they practiced what I will call hasty gratitude, something we find happening repeatedly in the Bible, and dare I say, happens all too often in our daily lives. Hasty gratitude, something that we all know a little bit about. For those of you who might be a little bit perplexed by what I'm talking about right here, let me just slow down just a bit and give you some examples. Have any of you all prayed to God for something, either minor or significant, prayed and prayed, then the Lord answers your prayers, I suppose. and five minutes later, you're off doing something else? Anyone? No one? Okay, it's just me. All right, that's fine. It's like amnesia set in immediately and canceled out any, any lesson you may have learned while lumbering with God in the valley. Okay, that I'm the only one here. So I'm just going to try to make this a little bit more plain. The five minutes I mentioned is obviously an analog for the hasty prayer thanks to you, that you give to God and then it's off to the races. You got that promotion on the job you've been asking for for months and you thank God. And then it's time to pop the champagne with your new fed best friends who before your great fortune couldn't have cared less that you existed. And the friend who has stuck closer to you than a brother, you just tell him, hey, I'll holler at you later. Oh, or maybe it's that you just bought a new car. And you thank God. And then it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Y'all get it after that, all right? Uh-huh. Or when God has broken the proverbial back of your political enemies and their rivals, your rivals. That is, broken the influence, by the way. <laughs> you thank God. And then began to gloat over the misfortune of your enemies. You do the I stuck it to them dance. Oh, we all have done that a little bit before. Admit it. I will admit it to myself. It's like, oh, I got you. I got you. You praise God for five minutes. And then you're off to something else. But the thing about hasty gratitude is that it really is kind of subtle. It sneaks up on you. At the very moment that God has blessed you, you're taken up in the moment. You praise God, you're like, thank you, Lord. Like, uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm really happy right now. It's time for me to go do something else. You slip into forgetting and then you're satisfied with your outcome. And then it really becomes about you and not about what God has done for you. But I would warn you, church, as I warn myself, satisfaction don't last always. Thanksgiving can, though. I should say, just uh, imploring a, a Pastor Paul Harris parenthetical right now. It's nothing wrong with a little celebration. We all should do that. There are things in our lives, accomplishments that happen that we should celebrate. All I'm saying is that there is something wrong when you substitute hasty gratitude for a mature, soul-deep, rich sense of thankfulness you have cultivated in your faith walk with God over the course of your life. Put it another, put it another way. We need to put off that thank you and I gotta run attitude that those nine people had and cultivate a spirit of thankfulness like your very life depends on it. We might imagine that the Lord's irritability could have been caused by any number of things, say, in ungratefulness, you are not honest about your limitations. We have the opportunity to liberate ourselves from arrogant delusions in recognizing that it is God and not you who has carried you along, whether you are at the top of the mountain or in the valley low. You may think you're a beast, but you gotta sleep in the evening. Those wise words are from the philosopher, Trip Lee. You aren't humbled. Might, Lord might be irritated by the fact that you're not really humbled by, the, by your circumstances and how he brought you through them. God wants us to be more aware of our situation. Learn from that valley experience. Give him thanks. But here's the catch. See in your gratefulness and identify with the plight of other people. Gratefulness can produce empathy. Think about this. How might our gratefulness expand? And how might our empathy enlarge if we really stopped for a moment and considered what life was like if the plight of these people at the southern border was ours? Imagine what we would think, how we would feel. Gratefulness produces something else in us. Thankfulness reminds us that none of us is completely vulnerable to the uncertainties, the vagaries of life. Something can always surprise us and, some, and, 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 and really not in a good way and land us right where our neighbors are. 
There's a song I love by the singer Coco. Um, I was a 90s hip hop fan, and uh, she was part of the group SWV, and then she, then she moved into gospel. And she had this song about gratefulness. Her gospel song is really about what it means to be grateful, because as she puts it, some might, somebody might be worse off than you. And finally, gratefulness heals us from our spiritual ailments. That if we want to be on the right side of Jesus, we need to be healed. Amen, church? We can be healed from the anxieties brought on by thinking we accomplished all of this by ourselves. We can rest easy in knowing that we are at the end of the at the end of the day, we are all stewards of God's bounty. Thanking God for what he has done and what he can do can encourage us in times of exasperation and pain and can help you hold on to his firm foundation. As I close, in these ways, your life depends on developing a spirit of gratefulness. Gratefulness, like faith, is a strategy for survival. It is a strategy for maturity. Remember, people, Jesus says to the Samaritan that through your thankfulness, your faith has made you well. The belief that God has done it and that God can do it is announced in the thank you. We can shout now, church. We can praise God for his everlasting mercy right now. We can learn from these scriptures that thankfulness is more than the response you have to God's mighty works. Thankfulness is also the acknowledgement of the change. Say it with me, church. The change that has happened in you as a result of what God has done. It is a being attitude. It is a thankfulness of heart. I might be stretching things a bit here with what I'm about to say next, but I don't think I'm too theologically off by saying that by adopting a thank you spirit, you are not only recalling God's tender mercies, which are renewed morning by morning, but you are also praising him in advance. You acknowledge who has sustained you in times past and who holds the future. It is the creator of heaven and earth. That, your, that takes your spirit of gratefulness as an occasion to transform you, church. We can give God a mighty hand clap and a thank you right now for what he has done.
as we go to prayer. Lord, we just bless your name that you are our sure foundation that in the times of good and bad, we are being made new. Thank you, God, for growing the spirit of gratefulness in me. Thank you for growing the spirit of gratefulness in this church. And we thank you in advance for what this gratefulness will yield in our lives and in the lives of others we touch. As we go to prayer, Lord, I just want to reiterate and repeat the words I've just said. Lord, we just thank you for the transformation in us. We thank you for what you have done and what you continue to do. Even when we don't see you, you are working. And that this is not just simply a matter of faith, but it is also a matter of being grateful for the faith that we have. Lord, there might be those in the audience or online who have not yet tasted the sweetness that is sweeter than the honeycomb. That sweetness being the salvation that is in the Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And Lord, my prayer for them this morning would be that they come to know you in a better way and in a mighty way. And that that thankfulness grows in them as well. If there are two or three in the audience, whether you are online or here, there are those here at the church, administration and staff is welcome are ready to connect with you, speak to you, witness to you after the service. Lord, we just thank you for what you are doing in their lives. Amen. Amen.